Welcome to Launchpad, a Tech Blast podcast which reveals what is needed to scale a successful technology startup. In each episode, industry players such as entrepreneurs and investors will discuss one aspect of growing a technology company and offer practical advice for scaling your business. In this episode, we are joined by Tech Returners CEO Becky Taylor. Tech Returners helps mid-senior level tech professionals to re-enter the workplace following a career break. Today, Becky will help us to define flexible workforce, discuss the opportunities and challenges around building one, consider the wider tech employment landscape, and explain how Tech Returners is working with North Coders following its acquisition. So, Becky, nice to see you today. Thank you for uh, for being our first guest on on Launchpad. How exciting. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. First of all, we kind of need to define flexible working. People talk around it a lot, but what actually is it? What a great question to start with. Um, and I sort of define it as that it means different things to different people. So if I look in terms of my background, so previous to setting tech returners up, I was a HR director for a leading SaaS-based uh, technology business. And I was the pe- person that wrote the policies in the handbooks around flexible working, how to put a flexible working request in. And I think it was only through my journey and my career and then having children that I actually realized, well, actually means different things to different people. So for myself, flexible working means the ability to take my children to school every morning and pick them up and then maybe catch up in the evening where some members of my team like it in terms of have the flexibility of having a couple of hours out in the middle of the day to run um, life sort of challenges, life problems, like go to the gym um, and being able to do things that, you know, meet their needs as well. So I think it's such a huge concept. It really does mean different things to different people. What does it mean to you, Jonathan? I think it's the flexibility, like you say. I mean, life, if you if you get to the end of the working week, then how how you define that that has been a success? Obviously, you've got a checklist of work that you want to get through, services that you want to provide to customers, for example. But actually, it's about life as well. So, for yeah. example, straight after this recording, I'm going to a, the local junior school to pretend to be a rapper, a dad pretending to be a rapper, <laughs> Um, in front of a load of year six kids, well, an entire school. <laughs> so if I slip in like what's ups and all that kind of stuff during our, our interview, I apologize. My head's full of my lines. Um, but that's that's the definition of it for me is that we can record this podcast. I can go and do that, you know, something for the community, if you like. Come back and do some more work and and not be expected to kind of be in a certain set place between four walls between set hours. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I've been telling some people today, actually, that after today, my life becomes very much of a juggle for the next six weeks. So I'll have both children. Um, Emmy's sort of finishing preschool tomorrow and a transition to primary school. Ethan finishes uh, year five. So I have both children around for six weeks. And, you know, the juggle of, you know, where are they going to be, you know, doing meetings, like you say. And I think it's very much taking it on a day-by-day basis as well. Some days I'll have them around with me. Some other days I can call on parent support. But I think we all need to be empathetic um, over the next six weeks for people who do have uh, childcare, um, don't have that childcare as well, but have children um, finishing school because I do think it's going to be an almighty big juggle again for the next six weeks. (laughs) Do you think, you know, COVID was obviously a massive sort of change in how we operated. Anyone who could was working from home. Do you feel like businesses now want their employees back in the office and is that the right approach? 
Yeah, I've sort of been seeing tra- trends where um, companies are sort of prescribing in terms of people coming back into the offices more, which, you know, I can understand in certain points. I think I know myself, I love in-person collaboration. There's certain things that I think you can't replicate online. And we, what we do is we have team meetings, team um, sort of like focus days where we focus on bigger topics where we're all in the room and, you know, get the brainstorming going or doing a bit of personal development. And those things I think are really valuable uh, in person. But I think having to prescribe it to like X number of days or I've heard of organisations actually going back five days a week into the office is a bit sad, really, because, you know, we've shown that we can do it um, for over, you know, three years period of time. And I don't think that we need to make that big shift back where we're actually in the office full time. I think it needs to be that hybrid approach. Um, And, you know, where prescribed days in person, yes, that I understand that, but also giving people that flexibility to make those decisions that ourselves as well. It's about trust, isn't it? And and when you kind of treat people like grown-ups, you know, they're going to, assuming that they're right for the role and right for the company, they're going to execute what they need to execute to the best of their ability and actually saying, okay, you can do this at a slightly different time in a slightly different location. You're, you're trusting them. And also they're more likely to, to stay with the company if, if you do that. Yeah. And I think one of the, the companies that I've read about recently, so they had a big driving emphasis of gender diversity um, within their business and uh, tech business. And then obviously, you know, started to see that increasing because of obviously, you know, pandemic, women being able to have that flexibility more in terms of the childcare arrangements, which I personally mentioned. But then prescribing people to come back to the office has meant what they're going to do. They can't obviously manage it. So it's meant that the people that that organization has lost has been mainly you know, parents and women because of those reasons. So I, I don't understand it. And I think you're right there in terms of trust. I was talking about it yesterday to a group of women uh, tech leaders on one of the programs that run the Confidence Collective. And it is, it's around that trust. I think a lot of managers can manage but when they get to that leadership um element of it really struggle in terms of that freedom and giving people that autonomy and then obviously that meaning that uh, essence of trust and I always say well if you don't trust somebody why have you employed them um so I think you need to look in terms of the reason why you're trying to prescribe people come back into the office is it because of genuine reasons for collaboration and certain meetings but I know um by talking to some of people I know in my network they go into the office and then spend 90% of the time in um you know a, a meeting room because they're on call so it's uh, counterproductive really so I, I think it's understanding what the requirement is and the big reason why you're wanting to get people back into the office but not forgetting the people that do want that human connection um, and I think it goes back to what I said right at the beginning about what flexible working is it means different things to different people and in that essence then well, some people want to go into the office and have that human connection and let them do that, but also, you know, be open to the people that need the flexibility at home as well. And I think it's the art of communication, just asking your workforce what the what 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 are their requirements, what do they need in terms of from a workplace setup now? 
that's the definition of flexibility, isn't it? Actually listening to people and, and responding. Yeah. And I remember when I was doing those, like I said, the policies, we never really spoke to anyone. It, it was just defined by, you know, what ACAS said or, you know, the new um, legislation. I said, but I look back at it now and I think, well, why didn't we just talk to people? What we do at Tech Returners is, is very much that, and I know we're going to come on to that in a little bit, but it is the whole art of communication and speaking to people because they'll give you insight around their requirements as well. Mm. Do you think there's also a danger with looking to re recruit the next generation of talent? Expectations have changed. A lot of these people coming into the workforce now have only known this kind of working. And also, do you think the expectations have changed with people who, you know, due to COVID, have now said, actually, do you know what? I've realised I, I shouldn't have to be in the office five days a week. Yeah, definitely. I think I think you're right in terms of the younger generation coming. If you started your work through the pandemic and you obviously used to in terms of being remote working, you're now looking at, well, I had that flexibility to do so then. Why can't I have it now? Um, but again, I think it, it comes down to that individual because they have might missed out some of the social elements, the collaborative elements from, you know, joining an organization. So I think it's understanding from them what they want. And I do think, the, you know, it's sort of cliche, but the blended approach is the, the approach to go forward where people have that sort of time um, have that flexibility and then they have the, that in-person time as well. Um, and I think for the older generation, we've seen it, um, from a returner's perspective, it has created a lot more opportunities. You know, a lot of our returners have been able to say they can transition back into the workforce because of the flexibility that organisations can now offer and they don't need to be in the office five days a week, nine to five. I don't know about you, but I don't know how I did it. <laughs> I look back. I listen I think, to a lot of podcasts, a lot of podcasts. <laughs> and I just think, how do I, how did I actually work go to Manchester every single day you know nine till five you know I, I just don't know because I think when I go into Manchester now I quite then like enjoy knowing that maybe the day after I've got some home time where I can focus concentrate and maybe catch up on a few bits if I've been in meetings all day so it's it's sort of been really beneficial but I do look back and think god I used to do that sort of commute and also those rigid hours you know for a large proportion of my working life yeah, and we used to get up at half past five in the morning. I still got up at six now. <laughs> well, I'm getting up at six to be productive from six, mm. not for to travel, to miss all the traffic. And actually, yesterday I went into Manchester, uh, but it was for a specific reason, to look at an mm. event space, you know, for an event that we're hosting in September. So when you've got a specific reason, so it could be, like you say, the, the collaboration piece where you've got a team meeting, you're brainstorming, you're going to see a client, you're you know, taking part in an event maybe, then it's great to do that, but then just go on, on public transport at a time which makes a bit more sense you know, in terms of missing traffic, get the laptop out and you're working the whole time. You're, you're actually not away from the laptop, which then gives, brings us on to that, that problem <laughs> being always Never on. Off, so, yeah, yeah is, is there a bit of a problem there, do you think, where people are always on now? If, if, if you are sort of working in the evenings from time to time, um, you know, is that there a danger that people aren't, don't feel like they can switch off their phones? 
I think so. And I think that's sort of what you need to understand about flexible working. So if you sort of say within your organization, you offer that flexibility to all, that means to say for for a look at my own situation, because I'm obviously taking my children, picking them up. um, So that means I'm on in the evening to catch up because I've made that choice. Somebody else in my team might not have made that choice. They might have finished their working day at four o'clock. I can't then expect them to reply. And I think then you have to have that sort of understanding about asynchronous communication. You have to have that accountability piece. I think that's really important because it's okay, right, saying we've been flexible working, but I think you do need some guidelines, education piece around that, because I think that's really important because the risk is, oh, well, I know that um, Becky might be picking this up later on, so I'm, I'm going to keep checking my phone or I'm going to keep on my laptop, you know, because I need a reply to that. That's not right because you will have that always on mentality, which isn't great in terms of from mental health, you know, um, and just a well-being perspective as well. Before we come on to tech returners, you were once in a senior HR role and you yeah, you, you decided to leave that role as a result of this issue, didn't you? What happened? Yeah. So previous tech returners, um, uh, HR director and, you know, very much champion diversity in technology right back in the early days, actually, and talking a lot about flexible working, something, you know, that before having children, you know, I was very much passionate about right in the right in the early days. And these are the days when um, organizations used to put them on their careers websites as ben- benefits. <laughs> it wasn't really the norm. It was actually such a, a thing. You put it on a website and you attracted more candidates to come and work for your organization. Um, and then I had Ethan and um, my first child, and I wanted to reduce my time down to four days rather than five days. Um, having a Friday Friday off and I had a, a small team then knowing that you know we're still reachable on that Friday um, if anything happened and I sort of had the conversation or the conversation was brought to me that the business uh, as such didn't feel that it was working but when I probed and questioned into it you know my performance hadn't you know dipped there was no sort of problem concern there it was more around that presenteeism I wasn't present and wasn't being seen in the office one day a week and I was given some somewhat of an ultimatum to sort of choose about how I was actually going to you know rectify that which unfortunately led to you know my resignation there is no way in the world that I would choose work over family you know Ethan was very young at the time I wanted that dedication space and it all those factors that I sort of experienced really sort of built into why tech returners exist and the importance of working with companies that are very much aligned to our values and mission around that accessibility piece because it's so so important because I would never want anybody to be put in that position or compromised around that situation like I was because I, I it's almost like I wanted to progress my career but I also wanted to have an element of family life as well so yeah I think it, it was a very challenging time but I reframed it to help in terms of what Tech Returners is all about today. Well, work-life balance has been a buzzword for a while, but I think you've seen Mm -hmm. more of it now. Um, You and James Heggs set up Tech Returners after you left that role, I believe. Tell us a little bit about how it came about. 
So um, interestingly, uh, today uh, recording this podcast, 20th of July, is actually my son Ethan's 10th birthday. And even though he doesn't realise it as such, um, I do tell him, but he is the whole reason why Tech Returners exists, like I sort of shared with that story about having him being asked to sort of come back into full time because of presenteeism. Um, he became my why and my reason of setting up the business. And it was, I felt that if I was being in that situation, there, there could be other people wanting to return that might not have the opportunity or the accessibility to do so. I had no idea at the time whether that was even true. And, and James very willingly, you know, backed me in terms of this idea that I had. And we formed... Um, you know, a program where we wanted to support people coming back from a technical career break um, for whatever reason and giving them the opportunity to upscale and then transition back into the industry. Um, I think it, it, it's one of those where, like I said, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, likewise, we didn't know whether it's going to be a success. And I look back at it now and very much prominent today in terms of being Ethan's birthday saying, wow, like, like just having such an impact, not just on my life, but on hundreds and hundreds of other people's lives as well because of that experience. And that's where I talk a lot about reframing um, and reframing experience. And, you know, that at the, the moment in time was quite a negative, dark place for me to be in terms of being comp um, sort of being given the ultimatum about my career and family life. But look what it's actually led to. It's enabled so many people to return to technology and give them the opportunity to do so. Happy birthday to Ethan. You say he's 10 years old, did you say? He's 10 today, yeah, so, double figures. Milestone birthday. There you go. You'll be at a, a school leavers assembly then next year. <laughs> I will, yes. I might be playing rapping, a, you never know. Playing a rapper. <laughs> um, so you, know, you talked about reframing. You know, reframe is, you know, Women in Tech is a conference that you also run. So you're a very, very busy person. <laughs> but how do you live flexible working for your staff then today? And, you know, how have you got any practical examples of how that's benefited your business yeah so like when James and I started Tech Returners obviously there was only two of us right at the start and James has a son as well and one of the like main important factors if we were going to grow a business was the flexibility because we both needed it we both needed that we both wanted to like you said attend the school productions do these school assemblies do the pickups, do the drop-offs. So it was really important to us. So when then our team started to grow, it was really interesting. They still say it now that they couldn't believe, like, you know, you, you do hear a lot of companies say about flexibility, then you go in and actually it's not flexible. You know, they might let you finish half an hour early or, you know, have an extra half an hour at lunch, but it's not true flex, flexible working. So when we were sort of defining it to the people that we started, I think people were a bit taken aback. I've even asked some of our members of uh, members of the team just about their thoughts. And a lot of them said it took them a while to get used to of actually having that amount of flexibility in terms of we give true flexibility of people know what they need to do in terms of their outcome and we let people manage their own times around that so I think one of the things that we did um, we got everybody together on one of our sort of in-person days um, because we felt collaboration was key um, around discussing this and we came up with a flexible working manifesto where we actually 
asked everybody what does actually flexible working mean to them so that's why I was talking about it meaning different things to different people because you can't just presume it should be given to parents you know I've got people on the team um that being able to move back to um to different uh, locations because that's where family are I've got people that have been able to go to the gym in times that suit them because they might have a challenge in going to busy places because of mental health and anxiety so we've given people that freedom and then what we did once we defined it for our team is understand how we could implement it so this is what I was talking about before so we, we've done things about understanding and educating the team on asynchronous communication um, holding people accountable. So there's many times, you know, I've been pulled up going, right, well, no, you're actually on leave, but we can see your green dot still on um, like Teams or Slack, et cetera. And, you know, I've had a text going, get offline, Becky, you, you've got to lead by example as well, which I appreciate as well. We have very much that culture at Tech Returners where we can challenge each other. And I do, I do agree with that. And then we set something up, which we do I have a smirk around like a bat phone to anyone who remembers as the old Batman where it was a red phone and it lit up and rang if there was an emergency well we sort of done the similar thing that um, everybody knows that if there's an absolute emergency and we need to contact that person we'll pick up the traditional telephone and speak to them so people don't have that fear if they've left something because they're going on holiday and still needing an answer or waiting for for another person they're not having to check all the time you know not having to be online they can actually come offline we also did things around statuses we also did things around deleting it off um, our phones etc so we went through the whole sort of process and then we wrote it up we wrote it up and then shared it amongst the team and that sort of like what we live and breathe by in terms of our flexibility. Um, and I think people are really appreciative. Well, well they, they've told me that they're appreciative. It's meant so much to them in terms of how they can balance their life between um, you know, professional and personal and an impact in terms of that balance has had on them as individuals. I think culture is about so much more than just writing mottos or yeah. rules on a wall i mean you're going to tell me now that in your office you've got everything written on a wall <laughs> but yeah no, i don't agree with that at all um I, I i do a session in um confidence collective about knowing and understanding your true authentic self so your values and when i say values i always go it's not about those stickers or those posters that you see on the walls sometimes you see them in the toilets it's actually what's intrinsic to you so forget all the you know the the words the buzzwords actually your language in, in what actually a value is so I think that's the core of it is what it actually means to you because it can mean different things to different people you were acquired by North Coders earlier this year uh, can you just tell us a little bit about that process and about the uh, the plans to work together with those guys for the future yeah I think um last year James and I sort of realize the impact um, that we were having on so many people's lives and the impact that we're having of organizations of really getting them to understand the value of a returner and we're at that sort of crossroads where we wanted to do so much more but knowing that you know we the whole um, essence of tech returners was born out of my idea and actually was bootstrapped by James and I. So we've never had any funding, any loans, and we, you know we've sort of built it up from there. 
So we started to explore all different alternatives around funding. So, you know, whether that was private equity, you know, investors, um, et cetera, et cetera. And we had a number of conversations, but nothing really felt right in terms of, you know, our values, in terms of what we wanted tech returners to become. Um, and at the time, we started conversations with North Coders and we've always had a true mutual respect for what each, each of those actually actually does. So we, we've never gone into sort of the entry level junior market. They've never explored into the mid senior level market. We've respected what each other uh, does in essence of our programs. And they wanted to run um, a DevOps cloud engineering upscale program. So approach James because that's his background. And so the collaboration started in terms of the conversations then it sort of became that actually we could utilize some of their Department of Education funding to help more returners get back into um, organizations. And some of their partners were looking for mid to senior level people. So that sort of the alignments and the, the synergies just started appearing. And then obviously that led to the conversations around the acquisition. Um, and it was very difficult at the time, you know, so James and I were functioning the business on a day-to-day -day basis, obviously, uh, because North Code is a, is a PLC, obviously we had to keep everything to ourselves. So we're sort of functioning, running a business on one sort of track and then going through an acquisition, doing all the due diligence on another. And um, that successfully completed in February. And it, it enables now companies to access a diverse talent pool and diverse I mean you know people that are entering technology career switches um, and developing them through the organization but also having the support and the experience of taking mid to senior level uh, returners on board now that can be where we do blended teams that where you could actually um have them on a consultancy model that could be just running a program that is blended or even separate so it giving organizations and also individuals much more opportunity and um, because it's a whole holistic approach and one we believe that nobody else is actually offering out there what was the process like because i i guess a lot of people i speak to say you know you've got to build a business with an exit in mind you know was that was that process kind of a natural evolution of way of what you were already doing, or was it a complete eye-opening eye, eye experience for you? So my background, like I said, is HR. So I've actually yeah. gone through in terms of experience of acquisitions and mergers, but it's nothing like when you do it for your own business. I've got to be totally honest in that. I think when you've actually built something up and um, I call it my baby in essence, because it is relatable to Ethan as my child, it is somewhat different because there's a lot of emotion uh, within that as well. And so I think even though I'd had the experience of doing mergers and acquisitions before, I still learned and I'm still learning a lot around doing it for myself. Um, obviously, you know, James and I had a period of long period of time to obviously, you know, ask the questions, you know, think about obviously, you know, the pros and the cons, et cetera. But obviously when it successfully happened, 
you know, the day of telling the team, you've got to understand they've got to go through that process as well. And then, you know, we had the process of obviously bringing the two teams together, the communication, you know, obviously it's people's fear factor, even though there is no and has been and will be no redundancies um, amongst the two teams. Obviously, that's that's still fearful for a lot of people because it's change. And I think, you know, I learned a lot around that and, you know, still trying to function and run a business. We had reframe in a few weeks shortly after the acquisition. So I still had to sort of focus on that whilst, you know, really focusing on making sure my team were happy and trying to answer questions that I might not know the answer there and then and I think that's also something I learned about not about that lack of control the uncertainty of going well I don't know necessarily how that's going to look yet because we might not have got to that point yet so yeah it's definitely been a huge learning experience um, throughout the past few months and I'm sure it will be um, continuing going forward. And I think it's important to talk about that as well, because I think, you know, when you talk about companies being acquired or selling or, you know, buyout, et cetera, you know, people talk about the, the, the positives, but I think it's also talking about the realities of the situation as well. And it was crucial for you to actually ensure that that flexible working ethos mm. continued. Yes, definitely. And I think that was one of the biggest concerns from my team um, that they, you know, I think one of the first questions were, what does that mean to our sort of flexible working? And, you know, when we, we look at it now, actually, it's increased because when we've joined the group, North Coders had actually in, actually introduced a four and a half day a week, which is looking to go to a four day a week next year. We're actually looking about how we can make those efficiencies and looking about how that's actually gonna work to hopefully implement that um, in the year. So it actually it's enhanced, but I can understand the, the reluctance and you know the apprehension first of all when you know because it is change it's huge change to people um but uh you know um they are now seeing the added benefits of being part of a larger group has actually had on them from an individual perspective as well but yeah a couple of reader questions coming in so we've spoken to our audience uh, on our website and our newsletter um and we've said you know have you got a question for becky um so both of these are anonymous um but the first one is how do you stay focused and achieve your goals while you're working in a flexible workplace so let's be realistic that um, i'm going to say in terms of the tools that i use but let's be realistic that i don't always keep to them so i'm like many many people <laughs> have those moments of like oh god i'm all over the place you know like i need to do this i need to do that i've not finished that something pops up and i go ah i've actually forgot that so let's be realistic i, I definitely don't have the answers but i do have tools in place um, so one thing that I was actually talking about yesterday, one thing tool that I use is called the ladder effect. So if I'm working on a particular piece of um, sort of piece of work, I sort of draw a ladder as such and talk about where I am now and where I want to get to for that particular project. And each rung of the ladder is sort of like the milestones that I need to do. But I don't just stop there. And so I start on the left hand side, all the things that could get in the way. And that can be from, you know, life itself, but also negative self-talk, you know, from a confidence perspective. So then I look on the opposite side and putting things around. Well, if that happens or if I feel that, 
How can I reframe it? How can I reposition it? And it's a really useful tool to do if you've got a huge piece of work. Sometimes I, I think, right, I've got to do this or this like writing or this sort of proposal or this piece of like for reframe and just looking at it as an, a massive goal is just like, well, okay, that's just too much. So actually breaking it down. I'm sure there's lots of uh, tools out there that do it, but I, I'm very much pen and paper still. I like to sketch things out um, and I prefer to do that than to-do lists. So I'm quite a visual person um, with that. Also, I think, you know, be kind to yourself. You know, <laughs> there is certain things that, you know, you, you, you're going to lack focus on and procrastinate on and maybe not get done, you know, in the best quality or the best time, that, you know, but do be kind to yourself. I think something I've learned is stop being fixated on the end goal and embrace the journey a lot more. So I used to think, say things like, well, I'll be happy when, I'll be successful when. And actually by doing that, I was actually missing out on all that experience and being present right in the moment. And that's something that I'm personally working on, actually trying to be present here and now, rather than going, right, okay, when I do this or when I do that, or when I retrieve that, I'll be happier, you know, because you've got to really focus. The only thing that you can control is the, the actual here and now. You can't change the past. You can't predict the future. So, and again, don't, don't be convinced that I'm saying oh, I've got all the answers and how easy it is. Because trust me, presenteeism, I struggle with a lot. I, it's almost like having to pull myself constantly back into the here and now. Um, but those are a couple of sort of tips Um that would suggest to, you have to stay flexible don't you it, it actually yeah. we ran a piece with alexandra sefra from spoke which is mm. like a, a company in london um that uses music to help young men struggling with mental health yeah. and she talked about the power of one percent changes yes. so you're not marginal gains change. yeah. exactly you can't change everything straight away so but what you what you won't see is a change from week to week but after six months a year you'll think whoa how far have we come and then you can yeah. celebrate that right yeah. And also a book that I do recommend. I was only talking about it yesterday. So Atomic Habits. So I don't know whether you've read it, but if you read the book, it's very much a common sense approach. When you read it, I go, well, I know that, but in a way that I know that, but I don't necessarily do it, but I can do it because it, it's, it really fits in terms of my common sense, logical approach. So it talks about like, if you want to go to the gym in the morning, make sure you lay out your clothes that you want to wear. Um, I hope a member of my team doesn't mind me sharing this, but she used to procrastinate in terms of like what she was going to wear that week. So what she did and she does each week is actually take out of the wardrobe, the five outfits that she's going to wear. So she doesn't have to think about that each morning. She just grabs them off the rail. She can wear them. And I think it's putting those tools and techniques into place. And that's a great book to read. Um, definitely one that I really enjoyed and got a lot of practical um, sort of advice from and again don't get me wrong there's certain times that when you when you don't do it and you've just got to go well I didn't do it there but what have I learned from that and you know move on from it and don't sort of continually beat yourself up because that's what we do so what one other thing that I've tried to do at the end of each night um, is about gratitude uh, so I'm um, a big advocate is James's around the six minute diary 
So again, it gives you a template about being grateful and understanding um, what you want to achieve for that day and then being grateful at the end of it and, you know, what's gone well within that day. And it gives you a great structure. And I think there's an awful lot of research around how gratitude um, can help in terms of your perspective around focus um, yeah, and your well-being. Atomic Habits is a, I hope there's no world leaders that are reading that and taking advice from you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's probably like the atomic clock, I guess, you know, yeah. doing things like on clockwork. We've got another another question actually from a reader. How do you set targets for your staff during flexible working? Do you require a set number of hours that they fulfill or? No, um, I've been, been totally honest. I think I, I can talk from a tech returner's perspective about what, what we've set up. So obviously in a contract, there is a certain number of hours. You, you've got to have a contract with a certain number of hours. But I would definitely say all of my team would be that we are definitely not clock watching. Um, you know, I, don't, I, I definitely don't monitor that. It's gone from, so the saying used to be focus on output rather than hours, but I focus very much more on outcome. So my team know in terms of what we need to achieve. So I'm very clear in terms of when I've sort of led the strategy or things around that, about what we need to achieve, sort of the, how we're going to do that, sort of the, the key milestones within that. And then I think because they know that we trust them, then they they go out I think beyond what they need to do in terms of the, the expectations to do it and I think because we give them that freedom that accountability we get so much motivation and engagement around that so you no know, we don't there's no targets um around there it's very much we make my team know in terms of what the outcomes have been and what they need to sort of work towards and how they then do that is in their own sort of little workspace flexible space you know however they manage their, their their time in general so this is the part of the pod where we ask you for your rocket fuel um you know a few quick fire tips for companies looking to adopt or increase their flexible working practices what can you uh, tell them what's your rocket fuel so I think just recapping on a few things that I've said. Um, so I definitely recommend doing a flexible working manifesto. So actually speak to people around what does flexible working mean to them and how you're going to implement accountability. So making sure if you are doing something and um, holding each other to account that you're actually sort of going in accordance with that, because it's I, I talk a lot about it. It's actions, not words. And going back to the words on a wall, etc., that doesn't really carry any weight. It's what people do and how they act and behave within that. Um, and then sort of that trust. <laughs> trust the people you've got within your business and I can't emphasize that enough you know you have brought those people in for a particular reason you have seen the value of the ad that they can provide to that organization so trust them to do that so you know that's probably the biggest advice and the things that I know have been successful in growing the team to where we've got to and from a tech returner's perspective and the what you get in back is an abundance you know, sometimes I have to tell the team, right, you actually are, are, are more passionate and more driven than actually I am, you know, from leading the business. But yeah, because they, they trust, the trust is there, the accountability, the wants and the purpose, and they really connect with them. We know that Becky Taylor is a HR high flyer. You know, she's an entrepreneur. She's exited <laughs> a business, but she's still running it. She's a super mom. But 
Tell me something about you that would surprise me. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I suppose a part of my life that I'm, I'm very vulnerable. So anybody who's um, heard me talk, I talk a lot about things that I have gone through. So my two children going through nine years of IVF, I lost my dad um, through the pandemic and the things that that's taught me. But I suppose I've never really gone back to the beginning. So when I was um, seven, um, I lost my hearing in my left ear. So I went on holiday with my, my family, I've got two older brothers and with my mum and dad. And it was long before the holiday reps, et cetera. Um, so it was basically you went and my mum and dad didn't really travel abroad very much. And I became ill um, and I went to a doctor's that did that turned it out actually not to be a doctor's. And I was prescribed a medication that was too strong for um, me in terms of being a child, seven-year-old child. Um, and it wasn't until then the Christmas and it was back for your older uh, listeners when Walkmans and uh, I had a Walkman for Christmas and uh, I got my headphones and I turned around to my mum and went, well, why do I need to? Because I can't hear out of one ear. And I think obviously that really shocked and scared mum and dad went for numerous hearing tests and realized I didn't have literally cut off all my nerve endings in uh, my left ear so I couldn't have it um and oh, I forgot the word hearing aid that's what hearing aid or anything in terms of to help my hearing because I just didn't have any um, nerve endings and I think you know I look at that and again, it's things that I look for lessons and look for things that I've reframed and, you know, I've overcome that sort of challenge. And now I talk, I want, want to talk a little bit more about that. I've been asked to talk to the Deaf Institute around, you know, people that might have had the similar experiences or experiences like that about, you know, being a businesswoman um, and I've not let sort of that affect me within there there's obviously things that I need to be aware of I find it very difficult in like um crowded sort of spaces noisy spaces but I've just learned to adapt and I've learned, learned to share I remember when you know going in the clubbing ages and like god knows what I agreed to in some clubs when people were talking to me and they were talking to my left ear and I'm just going yeah yeah just because I didn't, it was the embarrassment of not wanting to say, but now I'm quite comfortable with that. Um, but it's something that probably not many people uh, realise um, about me. But I hope it also gives, you know, reassurance, comfort to somebody maybe going through similar challenges that, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to hold you back. Becky, it's been an absolute pleasure, you know, just listening to, you know, your thoughts and tips on building a flexible workforce. It's been so valuable, um, you know, to summarize the key findings you know you, you've got to trust your staff you've got to to kind of build those relationships with them so you can trust that they're going to you know to perform their duties to the best of their ability but also you know take care of, of themselves and their personal life as well and actually adopting that as a as a a way of running your business overall rather than just writing it on the wall i think you're more likely to, to attract staff and retain staff, but actually you, you're going to build a better business, aren't you? So, so thank you for that. If anyone's got any feedback on today's episode, or would like to share you know, their thoughts on flexible working. You can contact us on LinkedIn or Twitter, or you can comment on the video episode of this podcast on YouTube. You can also drop us an email at podcasts at businesscloud.co.uk. If you enjoyed the episode and found it useful, 
Please like and subscribe on your preferred platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and more to be among the first to hear insights from renowned entrepreneurs and investors. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Launchpad is a Tech Blast podcast produced in partnership with pan-European B2B tech PR and communications agency Titan. New episodes are streamed on Tech Blast's YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter pages from 12 p.m. on the final Friday of every month. Or you can find all episodes on YouTube and all major audio podcast platforms. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode.